All right, I think we can all agree that every new investor struggles with the same issues. One of those issues is finding motivated sellers. Yes, this is probably the number one problem that I hear. Dave, how do I locate motivated sellers so I can wholesale properties for huge profits? Well, not to worry. One of my favorite ways to locate motivated sellers is by driving for dollars. When I drive for dollars, and I do it several times a week, I like using the Deal Machine app. Why? Because it's my favorite app and it makes driving for dollars super easy and fun. How does it work, you're probably asking. Well, as you're driving around looking for properties that are distressed, like for example, tall grass, broken or boarded up windows in need of major landscaping, broken down cars in the driveway, tarps on the roof, or just roofs that look really old, gutters falling off, paint chipping away, or peeling, or anything else that would lead you to believe that the house or the seller is distressed. This app helps you keep track of the addresses so you can plot several of these properties from your phone all while driving. Furthermore, this app has the ability to send direct mail to these property owners, and you can even skip trace these owners in real time and call and text them while you are in front of their property. I absolutely love this app, and I use it several times a week. Check it out for yourself. Go to Deal Machine in the App Store and download it. They offer a 14-day free trial, but don't forget to use the promo code DPI, and you will get up to $40 worth of free script tracing and mail credits. Again, use promo code DPI and go download this today. You will not regret it. I absolutely love it. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. This is your host, David Dodge, co-host. Mike Slane. Hey, guys, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Today, we are excited to talk about or continue our adventure on talking about uh, rehabbing or uh, buying rentals. Burst strategy. Yeah, the burst strategy. So today, we're going to be talking or delving into rehabbing. Uh, it's kind of part of three episodes. We're going to chop it up to uh, briefer segments. Uh, and today we're going to focus on really just um, what is rehabbing and how do you do rental rehabbing for um, for your rental properties as opposed to doing a major flip or rehabbing in your own house. Uh, what are some of the differences that you're going to do? What uh, what's the what's the purpose? All that sort of stuff. So today, and I I honestly I forgot until Dave told me today. He's like, why do we rehab our rentals? It's like, well. I don't know. That's just what we do. It's part of the, <laughs> it's part of the burst strategy, right? You know, it's buy, rehab, uh, refinance, rent, repeat. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that's just that's just what you do. Uh, so, Dave, you told me you reminded me this morning mm-hmm. what that real reason is. So, what is the reason that you buy a rental 
and rehab it. Like, why would you do that? Why would you invest more money into a property that you're gonna have as a rental? It's a great, that's a great question, Mike. Before I jump into that, mm -hmm. I wanna just recap on the Burr strategy. Burr, buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. So every one of these steps in this process is very, very important, okay? So today, as, as Mike had mentioned, we're gonna talk about rehabbing. But in order for you to you know, rent the property after you purchase it, you're, you're going to need to rehab it nine times out of 10. And in order for you to even get a refinance that's favorable, so you can continue your birth strategy, you have to rehab. So if you're buying a property that doesn't need a rehab, it's gonna be very difficult to convince your banking partners to give you a refinance again that's favorable to where you can get all or most of your money back, okay? So Mike had a really good question. Why do we rehab? Well, there's a couple reasons. Well, yeah, and one that Dave even said is like, well, you're gonna have to rehab it. So why do we rehab? Well, you're gonna have to. Why, Dave? I just buy a nice house. I'm not gonna need to rehab it. It's true. Like Dave said, you could do that, but then you, again, like you're not gonna be able to refinance it. If it's already fixed up, it just doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense for one reason. Whenever we do our rehabs, our banking partners require us to spend at least $15,000 on our rehabs. And the reason that they do this is because, and they refer to this as giving us an entrepreneurial credit, meaning that whenever they are doing their underwriting, it gives them the ability to look beyond just the cost of the purchase, so what you paid for the property, as well as the cost of the renovations or the cost of the rehab. Typically, whenever you go get a loan from a bank on an investment property, okay, this is not a primary residence, this is not a secondary home, this is an investment property, they're gonna give you a loan based upon the purchase price and the cost of those renovations. However, if you spend at least 15,000, at least with our banking partners, they look beyond those two numbers. And at that point, they are, they are um, willing, is the right word, to lend you based on the appraisal and the appraisal only. So why does that matter, Mike? This is why, huge. why are those numbers this different? This is magical. This is what makes real estate such a powerful tool, or one of the things that makes it such a powerful tool. That's right. So let's just run a quick example. Let's say we purchased a property and, uh, well, I'm gonna digress a little bit. I'm gonna say, first off, I wanna reiterate what Dave said is, we're buying properties that need work, which is awesome, because then we can buy them at a discount. A, so we can this, buy them at a discount. We can buy them at a discount. And B, they need rehab, which is kind of almost a requirement in order for us to use the burst strategy to the full potential. But what it allows us to do then is buying these properties at a discount that need work is we're able to add value above and beyond just the material cost and right. the effort uh, put into those properties. Every dollar we put in, we're getting $2 in value. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't always work that way, but that's the plan. That's the plan. So let's just use a quick example. So say we buy a property and we say, okay, this house is a little three bedroom, one bath, and it probably is worth $100,000 at the end of the day. Once it's fixed up, uh, that's what properties in the area would sell for when it's fixed up, a nice little property. Well, we're able to pick it up for say 60,000. 60, and the kitchen's outdated, the bathroom's outdated. Uh, it just, it looks pretty bad. So again, we're able to buy it at $60,000 off market. 
and then we say, okay, what can we do with that? We can we can fluff it up. You know, we can do a, little, a quick rental rehab on it, mm -hmm. and maybe spend twenty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. So we're going to be into this property for eighty thousand dollars, and it's going to be worth a hundred thousand, at least on paper at the minimum. Right. So again, because we're we're doing a quick rental fluff up, we're going to spend a little bit less money. So it's going to a renter as opposed to a uh, a new home buyer. You're not going to do all the same things in the rehab, uh, but you're going to make it look pretty close. You're going to make it look as good as. Mm -hmm. Again, it's not. it doesn't have to be perfect. So if you've got a little bit older roof, say midlife, you don't necessarily have to replace that roof, but you're probably going to get a pretty similar appraisal value. Whereas if you were going to sell it, you might have to replace that roof. So again, there's there's just these these slight differences where you can add value uh, to the property. Very exciting stuff. Very cool. Yeah. So, so great. So great of the rehab is, is very important. And if you are buying a property to flip, meaning you're going to rehab it to retail it, you know, the, the, the grade of that rehab, as Mike mentioned, it needs to be higher. You know, you're going to probably need to swap out cabinets. You're going to probably need to do that roof, um, you know, so on and so forth. But when you're dealing with a rental property, if you have you know cabinets that are maybe a little old, but they're perfectly in good condition, you know instead of ripping all those out, you can paint them mm -hmm. or you can add new hardware. So there's definitely you know corners that you can cut or you know costs that you can just avoid. Well, here's there's a great example. In general, so we can talk about uh, the grade of the rehab, like you said, and that's the the roofing thing. You know, if it's 15 years old, well, it's got half its life left. But again, a new home buyer comes up, they're gonna be like, oh, I see some hail. The inspector's gonna point out. There's some hail dings. We're going to need this roof replaced, you know, I mean, stuff like that. So it's just, it's a whole different game. Whereas you've got probably 15 years worth of life left in that roof. You don't have to replace it. Right. It's not so leaking. talking about um, the kitchen, this is a great, great one, Dave. So you mentioned the cabinets. You know, you can paint them up and that's going to save a huge amount if they're in good shape. I just walked through one of our properties yesterday where the cabinets look great, but you open up underneath the sink and it's all rotted, you oh, know, because there was a the water worst. leak and it's like got mm. some black, you know, some mold under there, everything. Yeah. Um, so again, it's like, oh man, well, this is a rental. I'm not going to replace the whole cabinet. I'm going to cut out the boards underneath the sink. We're going to replace that board and we're going to make sure it doesn't leak anymore. Mm -hmm. So again, you've got a nice brand new, you can paint inside there as well. You know what I saw recently, nice Mike, is that some people will make trays. They'll leave the rotted board in there. And they'll use a plastic tray. You can <laughs> buy them, or Brad actually builds his own. Mm -hmm. And he just puts these trays in, and he screws the tray in. Therefore, it makes it look pretty again. But also, Water. if it leaks again, it's not wood there. It's like it's, he uses like a like a PVC type of plastic. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. We should start doing that. That's yeah. a great idea. But lots of little tips and tricks, guys, that you can that you can um, use to kind of make shortcuts. And we're not saying cut corners to be to be you know to make the product less quality. We're just saying you don't need to go in and spend crazy money on it if it's a rental property. So another thing that we that we had, um, you know, is reasons to rehab was you want a hassle-free unit. Mike, why does that even matter? What's important about a hassle-free unit? So hassle-free unit, what does it even mean, first off? Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is you've got tenants in there, and I think we can all um, – uh, we've all heard that that terminology in the investing world. It's tenants, toilets, and taxes. So those are the three <laughs> things that uh, that are kind of a hassle when you're a landlord and you buy and own properties is tenants, toilets, and taxes. So what does that mean? Well, the tenants, they're always going to be late paying rent or they're going to have an issue with whatever. 
The toilets is talking about property maintenance. Maintenance. So your objective when you're rehabbing this unit, you're in there. It's your opportunity to make this house bulletproof. You want to make it hassle-free for yourself. You want surfaces that wipe down clean so they can't really mess everything up. You want things that work. You don't want to put in the lowest grade um, plumbing fixtures. Like that's one of the big things. It's like, oh, I could cut costs and put in a $20 uh, sink or shower head, faucet. but it's going to be broken in four months. Exactly. It's going to start leaking and spraying water uh, before you know it. So again, some of those things it's worth spending the extra money on to prevent a maintenance call. How much is it going to cost you to send out a handyman or a plumber to go replace a, a shower head? It's a great point. I mean, it's $200 just that you save or that you're So you really, spend. you have two options. One, you can do all the work in the beginning when the unit's vacant or, or right after you buy it and before you rent it. Or you can do minimal work, but then you're going to be coming back a lot doing these repairs. So Mike and I, we prefer to do it right from the beginning. Therefore, there's always going to be maintenance. We're not eliminating maintenance by any means. But the goal by doing the most amount of work in the beginning and trying to do it right is to eliminate or reduce maintenance down the road. Yeah, and again, it's just it's a win-win situation. Win for you because you're not having to deal with those calls. Win for the tenant. Because they're not having to make the calls. Because they're not having to make the call. They're not having to live with, oh, my AC went out, or oh, my sink's backed up, or oh, the right. toilet's overflowing. I mean, these are these are issues. These are problems, yep. guys. Like, you don't want your tenants to deal with that either. They'd rather live and stay in a nice, clean place. Mm -hmm. uh, well, for the most part. So, same thing. It's all, oh, and then the win for you again is the refinance portion of this, which is the next step which is if you spend the money up front, you factor that into your initial, uh, well, not your initial purchase, but your initial refinance with the bank. So then you don't actually have as much money in the property or that money outlay later on. Mm -hmm. So then you can cash flow a month. Well, month. that's a good point, Mike. We didn't even mention this in our notes here, but the quality of your rehab has a lot to do with the appraisal. So if you go into a property and you don't rehab it, or you do and, and you spend three to five grand on that rehab, well, when the appraiser comes out, he's going to be appraising, which really just means giving his a opinion of value on what that home's worth. So what he's gonna do is he's gonna find like homes at like conditions to comp that property. So if you do spend 15 or 20 grand, in our case, we try to spend at least 15,000, okay? Because what happens is we've improved the property. Therefore, when the appraiser comes out, he's now looking for comps that are equal to an improved property. So there's definitely a lot that goes into, into it there in terms of, you know, do, your, do a decent rehab. You know, on, what, you know on your it, rentals. What it comes back to, Dave, is knowing your numbers. No, that's what it all comes back to. You're right. <laughs> knowing your numbers. This that's is such an important thing that we need to highly emphasize and stress. With rehabbing, you have to know your numbers. You have, have to know rentals, your numbers. You have to know your numbers. With this burst strategy, you've got to know your this numbers. This business is very difficult to be good at if you don't know your numbers. Which is why I love wholesaling. I'm going to circle back to where we both kind of mm -hmm. uh, cut our teeth in full-time investing, which is wholesaling. Right. You jump in, you really do learn your numbers because you've got other people uh, walking the properties, uh, hopefully with you, or again, giving you feedback on the properties that you're marketing and trying to buy and trying to sell. So knowing your numbers is extremely important. Um, the The hard truth is that a lot of times until you do your first rehab, sometimes you're just not going to know. 
so our objective is to try to provide you with as much value as we can uh, and hopefully you know keep that keep you from making the bigger more costly mistakes absolutely so, so next guys know your area mike just mentioned know your numbers super important in all aspects of rentals rehabbing refinancing the entire birth strategy is built on knowing your numbers next is knowing your area why does that matter well here's why we just talked about doing a rehab to a property to increase its value so an appraiser then looks at comps that are like that well in certain areas of town at least in our town and i'm pretty certain that it's the same in your town you're going to have certain parts of town that have nicer homes in certain parts of towns town that have lower end homes so you want to model your rehab to match the the homes in that area that are going to comp out higher again so it kind of rolls back into knowing your numbers but here's a good example in in our area in st louis missouri you know the north county part of town is really great for rental properties the numbers seem to work there more often than they do in any other part of town when we go into these houses we're not spending 60 or 80 grand on the rehabs we're spending 15 to maybe 25 on average and the reason is is because that's what it's taking in terms of cost to get our property to comp out to where it works with our numbers so know your area certain areas will require more expensive rehabs to comp those properties out and other areas won't okay so let's do a recap on what we talked about so far we talked about you know the reason to rehab you know getting this entrepreneurial credit now again this is what our bankers are telling us so this is their requirements now when you go meet your banker they may have a different requirement but when you sit down with them tell them that you're using the burr strategy tell them that you learned about this strategy from david and mike at the discount property investor podcast maybe they'll come listen to it and if they don't know much about it they'll learn too but a lot of bankers out there are very familiar with the burr strategy and in order for them to give you a loan based on the appraisal and the appraisal only they have to consider an entrepreneurial credit which is banking language in order for those underwriters and, and their due diligence to plan out or to play out properly and okay? i would i would also a big caveat i think that it takes time to develop a relationship with a bank so if you're just starting out and this is your first one you may not get that credit right away you may and not get you, it at all i think it took us at least 10 units or yeah. 10 houses before our banker even kind of told us about this yeah it's just kind said, of a hidden secretive thing among these banks well, really it really is kind of and, crazy and he and we didn't uh i mean we didn't even realize it that that was kind of what they were doing they were looking at again the appraisal they always got the appraisal they have to but you always have to submit to the bank for your uh, refinance all your numbers they want to see what did you buy it for how much did you rehab it for they want to know all the details so then they can figure out kind of what you're doing and and uh and figure out what to lend on the property right so like like dave said it did it takes a while to build up that relationship before they kind of say oh okay well you guys are doing this you guys know what you're doing uh we've had a look good at track it. record of payments hitting the table what, you did it too look at yeah. it as um trust you're building trust with your bank and it may take you know five to ten units to get the trust on the level where the bank says hey you're no longer high risk for us 
you know, as long as we you can prove that you've spent fifteen thousand on the rehab, then we're willing to you know look past all the little minor due diligence issues because we've built trust. And at that point, hey, what is it appraised for? Here's what we'll lend you on. It's well, great. The thing is, a lot of times, like we don't even want the full amount that they'll they'll lend us. It's correct. A lot of times, we say, here's what we need to pay our lenders back. And it may be less than what the bank may be willing to lend. Right. Because again, we also, we're after cash flow. So it's all about knowing your numbers. We want to have a rent that's going to pay the mortgage, pay everything else, pay the property manager, the taxes, the insurance, all that stuff, and then still provide us with a little bit of cash at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So if we take out a really, really big mortgage, we may not be able to have that cash flow. So it doesn't make sense from our perspective either. Got it. So yeah. So reasons we have, we want the entrepreneurial credit. And this is really what makes the strategy work, is this entrepreneurial credit. You want a hassle-free unit. So rehabbing the unit in the beginning versus trying to do a ton of maintenance later creates hassle-free or less hassle. So that's another very good reason that you want to rehab. Um, the grade of the rehab. Again, we talked about knowing the area of town. That's going to affect things. And also knowing your numbers. How much do you have available to spend? What do you need to spend in order to get your comps from your appraiser to be where you need them to be. Don't overspend, don't underspend. You have to figure out where that line is to, to you know, to have a projection. Next, I wanna, I wanna kinda dive into a little bit, you know, if you are gonna GC this project on your own or if you wanna hire a GC. And there's no right or wrong answer with this. Both ways work great, but there's obviously advantages and disadvantages to both of these strategies. So I'm going to let Mike talk a little bit more about this because he handles it more in our business, dealing with the contractors. He's GCing a lot of our projects, and he's also working with other general contractors to help speed up. And that's one of the pros and you know that we can talk about. So Mike, tell us a little bit about you know the difference between the two. Why are why is one strategy better for certain people, so on and so forth? Absolutely. So I mean, I think uh, the first thing I'll say is if you've never swung a hammer before that's okay you can gc a job if you don't like painting don't like any manual labor you can be the gc gc is just the general contractor so you're kind of like the um you're the, project manager. the project manager it's exactly just what think it is. of it it's as, exactly you're the owner of the property uh you're going to go in and tell people what to do or ask them hey can you do this to the property for me that's mm -hmm. basically what gc is just a project manager you go in um you're going to come up with a plan for the property so you're going to walk through each room you're going to say, okay, this needs to happen here, this needs to happen here, this needs to happen here. And then you figure out who's going to do each of those items for you. Mm -hmm. That's essentially all it is to GC a project, in my opinion. Super easy. Right. Um, you're all, I mean, again, you're also going to have to pick out the materials, deliver them. Uh, depends on what your contractors are willing and able to do for you. So what's the difference between... Hey, man, I told you. So me and Dave have this uh, this running thing here. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, our camera bounces around a lot. It's because we both have a tendency to smack the table yeah. a lot when we talk. We get excited when we talk. So I may not look it, but I'm Italian. So we talk with our hands. It happens, you know. I uh, lost my train of thought. So GC versus GCing a project yourself versus hiring a GC. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk more about this in the next uh, next episode. But uh, hiring a GC, so what are the advantages of that? Well, one, you've got an expert, or hopefully an expert, that manages projects, has a bunch of subcontractors that can do it for even less than hopefully you'd be able to hire them for. 
But what does that mean? It's hands off, but it's, but in, in exchange, it's going to cost you. You're more. going to pay that person to manage the project for you. Right. So again, you can save money by trying to GC a project yourself, or you can learn a lot of it. Well, you can lose money by doing it yourself too if you don't know what you're doing. Too. Exactly. So if you have somebody come in and do the floors first, put in carpet first, and then oh shoot, we got to paint, and your painters are messy. They could mess up your carpet or your right. new floors or your new whatever. It's definitely you a, put in your cabinet process. But if you know what you're doing and or you've done a couple and made a few mistakes, which is okay. That's how Mike and I both learned. We've made every mistake in the book. That's why we're doing you know good today. Um, so if you learn it and you want to do it yourself, that's one way. It's typically going to be cheaper. The other option is to hire the GC. You may pay a little bit more. You typically should pay a little bit more. But it's very hands-off. When we hire a GC, we typically go to the property three times. Once when we buy it, once when we meet our GC to show them the work that we need to do and get a quote, and then once more when he's done and we wanna pay him and we wanna review the amount of work that was done and make sure the quality of that work meets our standards. So you have two different options there. So we'll dive into that more in later chapters. Um, last but not least, rental shortcuts, okay? So tips for rehabbing rentals. Um, again, we kind of talked a little bit about this, but you don't want to do the rehab for a retail buyer because there's no reason to spend that kind of money um, on the property when you can probably get it to comp out for a lot less. There's so many things that we can talk about for how to do rentals, like the shortcuts, the, the tips and tricks for it. Um, one thing I'll, I'll go back to, and I think, because this kind of relates to GCing it yourself, so this is a good segue into this, is um, the order of their project. So it's like, how are you going to rehab this property? If you're gonna GC it yourself, you've gotta have the plan uh, kind of upfront to help people with the flow of it. And it's, it's all pretty logical when you think about it. The first thing you wanna do when you get the property, you wanna clean it out. So anything you're gonna remove, you wanna have ripped out first. So if you're gonna replace the cabinets or the vanity in the bathroom, Take that stuff out first. Get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. Don't work around it. Exactly. Just get it out. Just it makes it simpler for everybody. Exactly. So the same thing like with the flooring. If the carpet's gross, get it out of there because it stinks. It's it's gross. You're going to replace it. Just get it out get of there so out. you see what you're working with. You also, maybe you found some hardwood under there that you're going to save. You know, maybe, maybe not. But again, you just want to get it out. So you want to clean out the property first. Uh, then the next thing you're going to do, um, you're going to figure out your materials going to go uh, measure, you know, figure out what you need to put, put together back in. a plan, put together your plan. Uh, you're going to basically go shopping, buy, buy a bunch of your materials. Uh, you want to then I think paint is next in my priority list. Uh, I want to paint the interior. Uh, then I'm going to do kitchens and bath, put that stuff back together. Uh, then I'm going to do my f flooring and then all my touch ups and final stuff. So like mm -hmm. your touch up paint, your baseboards, your light fixtures, you wanna get those in, then maybe a light landscape, stuff like that. So, I mean, that's kind of the basics of a property is, um, you know, I mean, that's the order of things that you wanna do. Can I throw in a pro tip? I think everybody Absolutely. likes pro tips. Let's do it. All right, pro tip. When you're doing your rehab, okay, part of the process in Burr is gonna be getting an occupancy inspection. So Burr, buy, Okay, renovate or rehab. Then you need an occupancy inspection before you can rent 
and then we're going to refi. So here in St. So that occupancy inspection goes real quick. after the rehab, but before the rent. So in St. Louis, it's required. Not everywhere do it's you good have point. these things. But a lot of places, a I would imagine. Of, and a lot more municipalities are right. popping up with these because it's they can get money and right. it's a safety So thing. they're going to require what's called an 100%. occupancy inspection. What is an occupancy inspection? Why would a town Thank even you. need that? Thank you. So that's what I wanted to touch on before, yeah. we, before sure. we got into that. What is it? Why do tip. they need it? So why do you need occupancy inspections? One, the the whole initial intent, I believe, was was safety. They didn't want people to move into units that weren't fit for human habitation. That was the whole thing. And then fire safety. They just wanted to make sure that these were safe units for people to live in. Um, and that's really where it started. Has it gotten a little out of control? It's gotten a little out of control Absolutely. for a couple of reasons. One is because now these inspectors... They're inspecting in their own neighborhoods. So whenever somebody wants to put a rental in there, they may say, oh, well, you need to change this, this, and this. And the stuff that they're recommending may or may not even be necessary, but they're gonna require it. So the reason that I'm even bringing the whole occupancy inspection up is because dealing with inspectors can sometimes be costly and it can also delay the whole BRRRR strategy because you can't rent them until your rehab is complete, which includes an occupancy inspection. So a tip for dealing inspectors, pro tip, is leave a couple things that the, for the inspector to find. Simple things, like maybe not put batteries in your smoke detector, okay? What are some other things that we may recommend to just leave for them to find? Because again, the job of the inspector, excuse me, of the inspector, is to go out and make sure that property is fit and it's and it's sound. So if they get there and they don't find anything, then they're gonna start looking hard. And the idea is to that you don't want to make so, them look hard. You don't want them to have to work hard for their inspections. And I, I kind of I agree. I go back and forth. I'd say that's about the only one I would recommend is leaving batteries out of a smoke detector because that one's an easy fix. You can you can often you can, fix it while they're there. Right. Meaning. He's gonna hit the button, nothing happens. You can say, oh, don't worry, I got a battery in my car. But at that point, you guys are solving problems together. Subconsciously, you're working together and you don't realize it. Therefore, you're building rapport. Mm -hmm. You're not creating an enemy with somebody, you're creating a friend. You're like, hey, no worries. Don't write that down, save your breath. I got a battery in the trunk, right? So then Absolutely. he's moving on being like, man, not only does this guy care about this property, but he's willing to make it right. So that inspector's not gonna be as picky because he's he sees that you care about the neighborhood that he probably lives in. Pro tip. 100%, I like it, Dave, I like it, man. So that's, uh, I'd say, a good little episode on uh, just an introduction, really, to rehabbing for rentals, right? I mean, is there anything else we wanna cover in this one before we move on? I think that's it, guys. Let's move on to the next chapter. Um, but this yeah. was a great episode. Yeah. All right. It. A little bit about uh, Discount Property Investor, though, guys. Remember, our main focus for anyone just tuning in is uh, wholesaling. If right. you want to get started in real estate, we love talking about wholesaling. This is kind of a segue into our, our what we're doing now, acquiring rentals. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're interested in starting in investing, check out the freewholesalecourse.com. That's freewholesalecourse.com. Uh, we put together an entire uh, free course on wholesaling. Mm -hmm. uh, what else, Dave? We've got... Uh, well, why does it matter? Because when we're buying our deals that go into our burst strategy, our rental portfolio, we're buying them off market. And in order to buy something off market, you need to get good at marketing, okay? And our strategy is keep the best, 
sell the rest. So wholesaling and buying rental properties and building a portfolio. So you're hitting the table now. I am. It goes together so well. So I tell people, even if they have zero interest in wholesaling, right? They need to learn how to market. And that way they can cherry pick the good deals. And guess what? You may not have any interest in wholesaling, but if you get a great deal on a property that you know you can sell by making one Facebook post, are you not gonna do that? So typically people that don't have interest in wholesaling do a lot of wholesales <laughs> because the deals they are do. easy. So you wanna learn how to wholesale, you wanna learn how to market to motivated sellers. And then, of, and then of course at that point you can decide what you wanna do with those deals. Do you wanna keep them as rentals? Do you wanna wholesale them? Or you, maybe you wanna fix and flip. Lots of options. So as Mike said, check out the freewholesalecourse.com to get started and learn. If you have questions um, beyond that course, reach out to us. There's a contact information in the course and we also have a coaching program. So we would be more than happy to talk with you, you know, about some of those options. And that's about it, guys. Love it. Thanks Signing for Signing off. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to season two of the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share with you what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. Make sure you never miss an episode and download the Discount Property Investor app in Google Play or iTunes today. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in.